Welcome back to Pretty Good Vibrations. This is, of course, part two of my walkthrough around post-punk with David Stewart. If you haven't listened to part one, definitely go back one week and start there. But one cool thing that came out uh, since last week's episode, David got a note from his friend in the UK. And he said one thing he noticed is the way that we talk about art school is different than the way they talk about art school in the UK. Since the late 70s, art schools in the UK were actually places you could get in with bad grades, with no career prospects, and they were free. So that might explain some of the difference around, you know, the the patina of coolness. When we think, oh, talking heads, they met in art school. We go, oh, they're these East Coast, you know, arty kids. They're on the cutting edge of culture. It's just not the case in the UK. So there's a different cultural story there to tell when these poor, working class, prospect free art school kids have a chance to like make something awesome and make something culture defining. It's sort of like a rags to riches story in the UK context that we lose here. I just thought that was cool enough to share before we get into the rest of it uh, with David and I. So, okay, back in to post-punk. All right, we are back for part two of our post-punk episode. David Stewart, thank you for being here. Great to be here. And we are into 1980. Yes. And the Talking Heads, our own U.S.'s own Talking Heads. Oh, he's reaching in the bag. Yeah, we're, we're what ten, do you got? 10 seconds in, Dan. What do you got? You've got Remain in Light. Here you it is. You just picked this up. Yeah, it's still sealed. This is still sealed. Got that last night. So good, I had to grab it. Uh, this is the record we're going to be talking about. So they've been around at this point for three years, um, but in 1980, they release Remain in Light. They're not a pure post-punk band, right? Uh, they're too adventurous. They play in too many genres, and they love writing catchy pop songs. They're angular. Thank the Lord. They're arty, yeah. but they are chart-topping, and they are very catchy. And that kind of disqualifies you from proper post-punk, unfortunately. A clear example of how they are both one foot in and one foot out post-punk is the song Once in a Lifetime from <sighs> Remain in Light. The verses would fit on any post-punk playlist. Dude, is this audio adrenaline? <laughs> and you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. The talking vocals. You may find yourself in another part of the world. And you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. And you may find yourself in a beautiful house. But the chorus betrays I dare say, wider ambitions. You said it. How did I get here? I'm feeling something, Dan. So they're both doing it, and they're like, yeah, but we're doing more than yeah. that. Yeah. Right. And maybe in our opinion, way better. <laughs> yeah. It, it It's more my style. Like, I don't know why you can't do both. Yeah. The, the payoff heads. and the chorus. Come on. Yeah. In fact, you can argue from like a, from a songwriting perspective or an arrangement perspective 
that post-punk gives you a really good template for tension that can be resolved with a chorus or a bridge, what have you. Uh, But, you know, art school kids, if they start doing that, they have to find new friends, David. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of art school, once again, not only in the UK, Dan, but also in the US, Talking Heads formed out of a bunch of kids who went to RISD. Yeah. David Byrne, born in Scotland, didn't know this, Hmm. moves to Canada at two, and then doesn't get to the U.S. until he's nine years old, moves to Baltimore, then goes up to RISD for school. Then they all move down to New York and off they go. Yeah. Their first show opening for Ramones at CBGB. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And really kind of going weird. In, yeah. Bill, it's, honestly, if you think about so it. It's so funny that, I mean, yeah, they, there's, they share some DNA there, but like obviously they're doing very different things. Yep. Also, shout out to Brian Eno for Remain in Light. Well, and there's one more track I want to hear from that. So this is my favorite song on Remain in Light. And I think it's more central to the post-punk movement than Once in a Lifetime, especially this later New York resurgence that we're going to talk about. Okay. So here is Cross-Eyed and Painless. Now, I hear a ton of that song yeah. in LCD Sound System's 2010 track, Home, which I'm going to play right now. Okay. And love and rock are bigger things and you know it. Yeah, you know it. Yeah, you know it. Also, that little ding and ding and ding it. Yes. That's the same note as the guitar is doing the ding and ding and ding and ding and ding and ding and ding it and talking heads. So there's okay. Something's there. He's listening to talking heads. Something's there. I love LCD sound system. It's going to become very clear. Yeah. Pull up any parquet chord song too. Straight through line to talking heads for me. Let's do it. We've got this song walking at a downtown pace. Why don't we do that? Let's play that song right now. This is parquet chords. What year is this? This is 2021. I'm making plans for the day I love this is true See in my pattern Hearing the song I'm singing through That I'll taste in all the drinks that I consume Return the smile on An unmasked friend as we take streets I don't walk down cause I want to avoid Finding temptation Walk out of downtown place and try Dude, drums are really similar It's the ride yeah. instead of the hi-hat But it's that same bouquet like that dance boom, t- cat, t- boom t- cat, t- mm-hmm. with these kind of floating lyrics. I think some of that guitar work too. Oh yeah. That song is even not even the most direct, but like, yeah. dude, they have that, that guitar sensibility is all over the place. Vaguely Afro pop kind of guitar approach. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch yeah. of polyrhythms. Yeah. It's very kind cool. of stream of conscious lyrics. Yeah. I know. It's fun. Sticking with the theme of 1980 tracks that we can connect further in time. Here is the fall who you mentioned, Marky e. Smith. And this is totally wired. Yeah, 
good. I think this is my number one discovery of this whole effort. Is the fall? Is this song? That song. Wow, that's cool. I love this. Song. I like it. Uh, it reminds me of a recent band, Fontaine's DC, that I love, and their song, "Boys in the Better Land." Okay, David is removing his sweatshirt to reveal a Fontaine's DC T-shirt. Just Woo! full of tricks in here. Oh yeah, we're just getting started, Dan. They're gonna come back again later, but let's play this track just to see that connection between the fall. Here's "Boys in the Better Land." From 2018. Yes, Dan. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Yep. So I first heard about The Fall from a live video I saw of At The Drive-In playing at Big Day Out in 2001. Okay. So in college, I would like find these live videos of bands I liked. Yeah. And I had so little video content. It was the opposite of today. We're talking 03, 02. And I would just watch these videos over and over again. This The video of At The Drive-In A Big Day Out is insane. They are just flailing. They're like the talk of the festival. Yep. But in between songs, before Pattern Against User, this is what Cedric says on the microphone. Well, I'm totally wired. Can't you see? This is... This is dedicated to a band from the UK called The Fall. Who what? If you don't know who The Fall is, you're listening to too much hip hop and heavy metal. This is from Marky Smith. Dude, can we just pause and say him diss dissing hip hop and then be like, this is for Marky Smith. Makes Marky Smith sound like some hip hop dude from like the 80s. Like, oh, Marky Smith. Oh, <laughs> Marky. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But that's the wire. That's the fall guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, lead singer. He's literally the fall guy. Ooh. I don't wow. think it's aged well giving your fans shit about their music taste. I don't know. That's kind of a post punk thing to do, honestly. That's where I like, come on, dude. Just they're here to see your band. Fuck you. Let honestly, them like whatever they like. They're here waiting for Mars Volta to be a thing. Anyway, that's how I learned about The Fall. I imagine you've got some information for us about The Fall. I'm also going to play one more track by The Fall that I love. But tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, John Peel's favorite band, once again. Long-serving really? uh, yeah. radio host of the original BBC One DJs. Named The Fall after... <laughs> this is going to show I did not take French or okay. pay attention. Yeah. Dude, I honestly almost want you to edit this out because I'm going to... This is Everybody knows how to pronounce <laughs> this name, and I should have just been like, let me look this up. Albert... Camus. Camus. There you go. Nailed it. Albert Camus. After yeah. his novel, Le, La Chute, or The Fall. The Fall. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Dark existentialist novel, for sure. I actually, rather than do some fun facts, I wanted to take a brief moment back, back to my friend Tom out of London. Two Fingers Tom. Two Fingers Tom. Yeah. I asked Tom a question you had raised at one point, and if we need to you know, pause and, and hold the answer I can. But the question I gave him was, why are the Brits more drawn to post-punk than Americans? It's a great question. It's, it's a theme. It's kind of a, it's a question I have had throughout working, thinking about this. So I went to the source. I went to a Brit. You asked one English person. One yeah. English white male. So of course it's going to be correct. Let's hear it. <laughs> 
Tom says, well, we just have great taste, I guess. Yeah, he would say that. With a bit of a wink and nod. I'm not sure we're more drawn to it than you are in the U.S. And then he cites Talking Heads, Devo, Suicide, ESG, and Perry Ubu, etc. Sure. I mean, there are British bands, but they don't do as well. They don't. They are, get much higher chart totally. positions in the U.K. And the back half of his answer it should be on a t-shirt. It's so good. Okay, here we go. We are definitely open to the idea that the working class, anti-establishment, art school students can produce our best music. There's a lot wrong with this place, but you have to admit any country that looks at Mark E. Smith and decides he should be elevated to the status of a national treasure is capable of displaying a certain generosity of spirit. Wow. That's a lot for a t-shirt, but it's a very, Not it's a very good quote. the front of it is the first Joy Division album. <laughs> You guys have the unknown, unknown pleasures uh, <laughs> graphic on the front and then that printed on the back. I'd buy that shirt. I I buy that. And, you know, it's something that we noticed even when Sherwood was touring over there because we went over there three times. And so I would read like British rock press and stuff. I would yeah. get the Mojo magazines or whatever was out at the time, you know? Yeah. Because those were like $13 on import <laughs> in 2001. Like they were so prohibitively expensive. So I would get them all and read them over there. And there just is a different uh, capacity for art in mainstream culture there. They also have their like silly sitcoms and they have their kind sure. of whatever the version is of network television, you know, they've got that there, but musically, yeah, they, they just have always been more open to yeah. that stuff. I feel like there's a patience. Like that's always the word that comes up when I think about yeah. the Brits and music and I, huh. a willingness to listen to the same line repeated 22 times. Like there's a patience for a band to kind of go really dissonant and let them come back to a spot that, that feels a little bit different. Like there just seems to be, I don't know, like, Getting ahead a little bit on, on Fontaine's, but that was the last show I saw before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. I was actually on a work trip in London and saw them play O2 Academy in Brixton and wow. sold out tons and tons of like all these bands we're talking about on the t-shirts, by the way. Yeah. That venue is about 2,500 people. We, yeah. We've opened up for other bands there. Oh, Brixton, dude. Yeah. Amazing venue. Yeah. But like going and seeing Fontaine's live, they're kind of playing at the same intensity the whole time. Yeah. And I felt like I never saw people kind of disengage right. in that crowd. Whereas I feel like I've been to shows in the States where it's like, okay, 60% of the way through, you lose me a little bit. Yeah. Everybody was crowd surfing the whole time, thrashing about. There was a, a dude with gray hair in uh, a Fontaine's t-shirt who I was like, you you were there at the beginning kind of a thing. Yeah, wow. And he was just letting loose. That dude might have been there at the beginning of post-punk. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, oh, totally, totally. Like, totally. Not, not the beginning of Fontaine's <laughs> You were definitely career there. five years yeah. ago. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One more quick fall clip. This is a weird song that my old next-door neighbor put on a playlist for me once. He's like a Gen Xer. Okay. Very different music taste than me. But this song just really grew on me. It might not grow on you the first 30 seconds you hear of it, but... Let's just see if it does. It's called Curious Orange. O-R-A-N-J. Afraid of blacks too. A belt church and one day man Amish. But they were curious orange. They were curious orange. Bye, bye, bye. 
I mean, I hear Fontaine's. I also hear a little LCD sound system in there. Yeah. And the specials. Yeah. Interesting. So this is 88. It might be after That's the, 88. Yeah. Wow. That might be. It's, it's later fall stuff. But Dude, they still got yeah, it, though. In and around. Yeah, in and around that, um, that second wave scoffing in, uh, in the UK. Interesting. So that's the fall. Now we got to talk about Bauhaus, partly because another band that people say you got to talk about. Uh, although I kind of like I kind of like this tune. This is a track called Dark Entries. And and Bauhaus are one of those groups like Joy Division, like The Cure. They go a dark direction. Yeah. Godfather's of, a goth. Godfather's a goth. Exactly. They influence that goth scene that eventually forms. Let's hear this track. <laughs> What do you hear in there? I just heard, I mean, at the end there is like a little bit of noise rock. Yeah. Fontaine's a little bit in that kind of chaotic, like come down uh, on the guitar. But I mean, it puts me in the mood for vampires for sure. And it's just like the lyrics are kind of dark too. Like, oh, Miss Lane, please leave me some pain or something like that at one point. Apparently they bought a hearse at one point to play up the goth thing. And Uh we're like, eh, maybe that's not like the right thing to do. Like they tour in a hearse. Yeah, or like yeah. did press with a hearse or something, uh-huh. but they got rid of it eventually. But they definitely embraced it. I mean, they, I think wow. a lot of people, you called it out, are like look to Bauhaus as kind of that first gothic band. Um, but they would put coffins on stage. Even Peter Murphy, their singer, just like straight up looks like a vampire most times he was on stage. And lyrically, it just makes me think about Alkaline Trio. I kind of can't help that. Uh, but back to post punk. We got one more band to talk about from 1980. This is a band people might not have thought would come up you two other than that i mentioned them in the intro <laughs> of part one that's only if they listen to part one that's yeah uh you two obviously they're taking things to a poppier more accessible place but instrumentally this song i will follow which was a hit this is a post-punk track i mean 100 listen to the bass drumming and guitar work here It's catchy, but it's repetitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and that's that so post-punk. It's so, so post-punk. post-punk. Yeah. yeah, I didn't honestly. This was a nugget for me. I had no yeah, idea. Same. And same. apparently, they cited. I think when the Boy was happening, they cited Susie and the Banshees and television Makes as sense. influences. Yep. And it's. Cr- I had no idea, but dude, made me love that song and you two a whole lot more. Yeah, it's cool. I want to kind of revisit that record now uh, because I never really got into Boy. I was, you know, sort of a Joshua Tree and branch from there casual fan Branch for the most part from <laughs> there well, twisted looks like it may be dead dry wood joshua tree branch you got to assume that u2 was a big influence on sort of the fading away of proper post-punk and so many bands yeah having wider ambitions and going for the charts and stuff because 
that song is a perfect example of it is a post-punk track and yet it's fully succeeding at something beyond it. So it's not hard to hear that if you're Depeche Mode or The Cure or whoever and go, New Order, we go, oh, we can take like 90% of what we're already doing, yeah, tweak it a little bit yep. and write some really like memorable songs. And of course it worked. That becomes the biggest music on both sides of the ocean yeah. for 10 years, for eight years, whatever. Yep. It becomes a huge part of pop rock. So Move over BGs. Yeah. Get out of here, disco. Come on. We want synths and eyeliner, you know? Let's go. Okay. We're going to skip over. We're going to just do a few dots here in the 80s. We're only going to talk about one 90s band. There's really very little in the late 80s and throughout the 90s. Grunge becomes king, takes over. Nobody cares about Joy Division, except maybe just the the Unknown Pleasures logo probably sticks around because it's just so good and iconic. Dude, so many post-punk hardcores who are listening to this are like, I'm done. Because there's nothing, that we're saying there's nothing in those years? Do we toss Joy Division like that? No, I'm saying it's such a cool, it's such a great graphic oh, no, that no, 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 no. it that we're, transcends. They're like, wait, you're not trends. spending the next half hour on Joy Division? Are yeah, you serious? sorry, we're not. Uh Mission of Burma, 1981. This was another kind of nugget for me. Yeah. And a bunch of the stuff from their first two records. This is a band I'm going to be spending a lot of time with. This is their first single. Here's Mission of Burma, 1981, Academy Fight Song. Repetitive vocals, especially that verse is yeah, really good. The, the chorus starts to make vibes. me uh, like loses me a little bit. It's a bit more just like replacements kind of doing yeah. early 80s punk. Yeah. You know? But dude, inject that verse into my veins. Come on. Put it straight in. Uh New Order. We're not gonna we're not gonna do a bunch of facts about these bands. We'll talk about New Order for a little bit because they're really important. Um, but we're gonna skip past, you know, we're not talking Mission of Burma. We're not gonna talk, we're not gonna go into detail here with some of these groups. But New Order, first record, 1981, of course, Ian Curtis dies. And it sounds to me like this early on, they're kind of trying to replace his vocal style, which is very much not emblematic of later New Order, where they kind of find their own thing. But this is still a cool track. This is Dreams Never End from 1981's Movement. Hello, The Cure. Yeah. A lot of shared DNA. Yeah. That could be a Cure guitar line. Oh, yeah. They're, they're at the same time, so it's hard to know who's yeah. who's repeating, who's ripping off who. But did you uncover any interesting stuff about New Order? Dude, no, I was ready to blaze through this set because, you know. because yeah, we got a lot to do. Yeah, totally. Uh, I really love the New Order track, Love Vigilantes, which is from their record Low Life. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of digging into to do on New Order. Let's just play that real quick. All right. Let's just... Come on, they've earned it. They have. There's a really cool cover 
by Iron and Wine of this song as well. Well, I sold just so brave your freedom we will save with our rifles and grenades and some help from God. I want to see my family, my wife and child waiting for me. Got to go home. I've been Dude. Can you rip off yourself? Gots to go home. I love that. Okay, it's a great song, dude. dude. I have ne- the first time hearing that song. I don't know why I'm feeling like that's John Mellencamp, dude. Whoa. Well, it's eighty three, eighty four. Like, give Mellencamp that song. Turn it like one degree. I'm like, oh yeah, you that, could totally hear like a. I mean, an American drum production too. Kind of yeah. doing that. Yeah. All right. Well, moving that's on nice. from New Order, you told me about this song the au pairs sorry just au pairs or is it the au pairs i think it's au pairs these art school kids i just mean put dude a v in there just i know they say the dan <laughs> everyone's gonna call you that it's anyway the au pairs yeah. it's the au pairs dan uh this track is called we're so cool and it's so good Dude, I don't know if there's a through line from the slits, but it's just awesome. Like more female vocalists getting out there. Uh, yeah, this band was like Birmingham, England, another British one. Yeah, I don't know a ton about this band, um, but I just really enjoy that song. Definitely a, a through line with Del- Delta Five. Yes, that similar kind of bass work, and I think this track is a good example of seeing where dance punk and post punk are sort of swimming together yep. in the same stream. They're in the they're in the blender, dude. Those shoelaces the they the fell shoelaces in the blender. Are now in the blender. Wait, yes. What, what kind of shoes are dancing shoes? Yeah, your dancing <laughs> shoes. We all are dancing shoes. When naturally, when you think of shoelaces, you think shoelaces for your dancing shoes. Of course. Has anybody ever seen any <laughs> album cover to the specials? Come on. Oh, gosh. Okay, 1982, next year, The Chameleons with In Shreds. It's a cool track. That does not sound like 1982. No. That sounds like 2000. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I had like never heard of this band. Yeah, neither did I. That's cool. Wow. That's getting added. Yep. The Cure. You might have thought, hey, we're going to hear from The Cure, right? Finally. Well, we are. We are going to hear from The Cure from this, their 1982 album, Pornography. The song is called 100 Years. This is not my favorite cure look. 
Yeah. I love this one. You love that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I was very ready for that to be over. Dude, Tell me what you like about it. I, I, the atmosphere that gets created, and they just kind of let themselves sit in it that whole time. And it is dark and kind of angular, but mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking post-punk, so there's also some like really high synth thing going on in the background. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. It's kind of, I love, that's what I love about post-punk is like these earworms. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. I just, I'd rather have like In Between Days or Just Like Heaven or Friday I'm In Love if I'm like I hear his voice, I want really great pop songs with really interesting tones. What year did this one come out? That's 82. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the only fun fact I'll quickly toss out there for the through line here. Um, one of the Cure's earliest tours was 79, and they were supporting Susie and the Banshees. Look at that. And Robert Smith actually filled in on guitar for Susie and the Banshees. Playing for both sense. bands each night that entire tour. Um, wow. And I love this quote because I really think it helps us understand a little bit of the post-punk through line and where the cure ends up. Yeah. Because I think the desire that was within Robert was there always. Even if he, in this song, let go of it for a minute. He said, it was so different, the Banshees, to what we were doing with the cure. Before that, I'd wanted us to be like the Buzzcocks or Elvis Costello, the punk Beatles. Being a banshee really changed my attitude to what I was doing because I don't think you ever lose that like pop sensibility through line at no, all. No, that part didn't change. Never yeah. goes away. Boys but there don't is cry the, is pretty early he's, in their career. Yeah. yeah, like he's fresh off from being a banshee, as he said. Yeah, and you can hear it. Oh, it's interesting. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Next up, ESG, nineteen eighty-three, the year of my birth. Out of the Bronx, baby. This is called Moody in parentheses, spaced out. Feeling very repetitive and very moody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Family band, dude. I do like that track, though. That I found that before. Yeah. I had, like, maybe in the last couple years, Shazammed it oh, somewhere. Really? I was like, this is a cool track. Yeah. yeah. I'd never heard it until we did this. In the 80s, they opened for The Clash in Public Image when the lead singer was pregnant with their daughter. Whoa. So. Badass. Yeah, right? Like MIA at the Grammys or whatever that was. Yeah, and it was like her and their three sisters when they got started in the late 70s. Nice. Oh, like it's like they're like Heim. Yeah. Plus one. Dude. Yeah, I I definitely need to dig in more with them. Yeah. Yep. Okay, last track of the 80s, Minutemen, Vietnam, two words, 1984. We're into L.A. punk. Kind of, It's punk, but it's this is post-punk and... It's kind of got a little dance punk. Oh, a lot of dance too. punk. Yep. That's why we love it, baby. Let's say I got a number. That number's 50,000. That's 10% of 500,000. Oh, here we are. In French Indochina. David's pointing to his Talking Heads LP. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> all over those it. vocals yeah for yeah. sure but they're contemporaries because yeah. now we're into 84 so we're seven years guitar, into their talking heads and yeah. Guitar. yeah like i feel like they they went to a, a few talking head shows i definitely hear them on some of the 2000 stuff i hear influence there arctic monkeys dude like the arctic first monkeys yeah i was thinking modest mouse Ooh. yeah yeah 
where and where Isaac will sort of yeah. yell. Dude, that's good. Yeah, interesting. So we got a big gap here. We're gonna skip 15 years, talk about La Tigra, and then get into the 2000s. So I thought this might be a good time to talk a little bit about like where this music fits in each of our stories and lives. Just briefly, tell us more about when you first engaged with post punk. I would say a family trip to Mexico. MTV Mexico was playing two songs, actually three songs, I think, over and over and over again. Every time we turned the TV on, it was like the same three. Whoa. It was Helena by My Kim. Yeah. It was Gasolina. And the third one was Evil by Interpol. Yeah. And I had never heard anything like it. I had, at that point, probably spent a lot of time with like early Green Day, Ramones, Rancid. How old are you at this point? 12 or 13. Wow. Even my siblings were like, what is this? This is really cool. And it just kind of got stuck in our heads. And I remember going home and getting a CD from Chester County Book Company. And uh, off I went from there. But Interpol Antics was actually the one, which is a 2004 album. And I think it was was the year before that that single was running around. That was my entry point. For me, I think it would have been 2003, one year before yeah, yeah, yes. Because I definitely knew that record when it came out. With maps on it? With maps on yeah. it. Yeah. And I got it. And then in 04, we are living in, back in San Luis Obispo, writing a record, and Interpol Antics comes out, and I hear track one, Next Exit, in my favorite coffee shop, and I was like, what is this? Yeah. And I was in love. And then the next year, 05, Block Party, oh, first record. Silent, Silent Alarm. Alarm. Yep. Yep. I think that's my one, two, three, and, and I heard them as they came out. Then in 2007, two years later, Sherwood's drummer Joe, his brother Isaac, turned us onto LCD Sound System when Sound of Silver came out, and then I was locked in forever. And then since then, I've gone back, and you know that's when I discovered some of these non-punk rock bands. As you're talking about it, too, I'm thinking, I remember in the ages of Pure Volume and LimeWire, mm-hmm. one of my LimeWire albums was the first Arctic Monkeys album. It was all out of order. <laughs> but half those songs are legit post-punk, no question. Yeah. And then my sister was playing the Strokes a lot. I'd argue some Strokes is post-punk, not all. Yeah. And then Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Maps, my sister and I too. Same thing. I yeah. remember driving around. That nice. was on the radio a lot. Yeah. It was a good time for music. What itch does this music scratch for you? What's it doing for you? I think it's satisfying something in my ear. Like, I don't actually grab a ton lyrically from okay. post-punk. Yeah. But instrumentally, I have always loved that angular guitar, kind of heavy compression, mm-hmm. really punchy with a pretty straight ahead like drum and kind of fun, wonky, wacky bass playing. Yeah, like, that well, that's is just, it. I, yeah. I remember when I think it was Muse 2005 and the Glass Handed Kites. There's a ton of that really heavy compression. It's a telly that he's playing on, but just like driving on those lower strings in a really satisfying way. Idols scratches that itch for me 10 out of 10 times. I think it gets me moving. Yeah. Probably in the same way that 90s punk got me moving when I was a teenager. Like listening back to some of these tracks to find where to start the track. Just found myself dancing a lot in my chair. Yeah, yeah. You know, like totally uncontrollable back and forth movements. So I, I think there's, I think that's kind of the main thing probably. Yeah. The other thing is that I am like aware, I'm like obviously very conscious of the coolness detachment factor. And so I'm like, curi- I'm like worried that I'm being a poser. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know it. So I can't sink into it 
with yeah. my full self the way I can other genres like emo sure, or same. something like just bathe me in emo, All day. let it meld with my person. I can't do that with this music. I yeah. don't, I can't feel as invested in it because yep. I don't identify with it as much, yep. but I still listen to it a lot. Yeah. You know, I so resonate with that. It's that kind of a thing for me. Yeah. hundred percent. That DNA that's shared with punk, but it allows us to do it without throwing our backs out, you know? <laughs> okay, so jumping to 99 briefly. This is La Tigra. Yes. This is uh, former members of Bikini Kill, the yep. Olympia Washington punk band, who are awesome. And this is Decepticon. <laughs> I think the that other song rips. That song rips. I think post punk yeah. is so good at letting you access like anger yeah. and, and emotions. That's yeah. another thing for me. Shout out to my therapist. I don't like <laughs> feeling angry and I like to avoid anything that might stir anger in me or yeah. even admitting I'm angry. And I think post punk is this like fun way to scream and to just dance and kind of like let your angst out in a way that doesn't feel as intimidating. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But dude, can we talk about that noise we were both freaking out about at the one, two, three, four? What is yeah. that? It's like a, it's like a stop, like a record stop or whatever Ugh. from hip hop. Dude, I thought like, it was like a punch, like a grab from an N sixty four. Like, I mean, it sounds to me like it's that kind of yeah. like a Beastie Boys. Kind oh, I love of it. Whatever, I love it. It's mixed very loud. Those Let's four punches. Me. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. yeah. I really hear the production difference between everything we heard. Almost all of which was 82 or earlier. Yeah. And that, which is 1999. Yep. And they're using a drum machine. Those are drum machine drums. There's no real drummer playing on that. No live drummer. Sad. Some of the, so some of that technology is similar. Yeah. But it's just gotten so clear. Like my theory, which I've talked about is this mid nineties thing. Like that's when it all kind of comes together and a really well recorded record in the mid nineties no longer sounds old yeah everything before that you can hear when it was done yeah after the mid 90s you can't tell you might you might be able to tell it's new if it's a particular you know genre or sounds or whatever but in terms of the fidelity of the recording and the clarity and punchiness and all that somewhere around the mid 90s so now i'm like yes now we're getting into it <laughs> i loved that i can't wait to get to these 2000s bands let's not waste any more time episode three <laughs> 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 we're now we're we're this is somewhere into part two i'm sure so 2002 2007 we're alive now dan we are alive and listening to currently being released music yes here we are the this post-punk renaissance is in new york especially yeah but it is a part of a broader u.s and european uh trend in rock music yeah so there's a there's like a a revival of bands Doing post-punk, but also new wave and garage rock, thinking White Stripes, yep. right? Think Strokes, Killers, Franz Ferdinand. Yep. These are big bands, you know, headlining rock festivals. And it's a it's back to this sort of approach. There's a particularly strong scene coming out of New York. There's a book and now a film coming out called Meet Me in the Bathroom. That narrative focuses on the Strokes kind of at the center of things. 
and they're not really a post-punk band. They're, I'm sure there are parts because they do have very simple instrumentation on a lot of their songs, but they're a pop band doing this very carefully curated sonic thing yeah. with all the instrumental yeah. parts. Yeah. And I feel, I mean, like if U2 is in this episode, Strokes has a, a bit more legitimacy to be in the episode. Well, why don't you tell me a track that you think is is riding the line? That's a great question. Yeah, on the stroke side of things, Reptilia has some good examples. He seemed impressed by the way you came in. Tell us the story. I know you're not boring. I was yeah, dude, that bass. That There's guitar just keeps going. There. That line yeah. is there the whole time. Like repetition 101. Yes. And I mean, that's another post-punk thing is dropping out bass. And it's just like an angular guitar part with the drums doing the same thing. Yeah. His vocals are just too good. That's all. But yeah, they're there. That's cool. Well, they, maybe I, they took a I'll shot out of back. the blender. They didn't take a full smoothie. You know, <laughs> there was a little leftover. They poured 20 years their, later. Their portion of the smoothie into their own blender and added other things, you know? Yep. Or maybe even strip things away because they're so, they're doing something so I know. down the pipe. And the recording I'm, quality is like, dude. I'm a, I'm a big fan of those first two records. Me especially. too. Me too. So other bands in that New York scene from Meet Me in the Bathroom, Interpol, The Rapture, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, and LCD Sound System. And then I would put Block Party in the UK in this same category. Arctic Monkeys, early stuff. Early yep. Arctic Monkeys. Libertines. What I hear yep. in this revival is, this is my big take. Ooh, is this a hot take or a big take, Dan? It's not. I don't think it's that hot. All right. His socks are on, everybody, just so you know. So here's how, here's what these bands figured out. They could stay post-punk, but they could also be relentlessly catchy. And I don't think we really heard that in the 80s bands and late 70s bands. As they got catchy, they didn't sound post-punk anymore instrumentally. Yep. Right? You can hear them bringing other things in. They're kind of singing a different way. But that Stroke song, that's catchy. And yet it's not diverging from this kind of Ian Curtis-inspired, yep. fairly monotone. Yeah. Kind of thing. I've sat with this because I'm like, okay, we're in 2022 talking about these bands from the late 70s and early 80s. And like uh, in the UK, especially, it may be a different thing. The, it might have yeah. been catchy enough because they're getting number ones and yeah. on the on the charts. I but think in the that's US, a good way of saying it, yeah. I feel like at least from this vantage point, it feels like even back then, particularly given what was like in the charts and stuff, I just think there's something in the Strokes DNA where it's like, most listeners don't want to hear for two minutes. Right. But somehow that gets on the radio and you're not even thinking about it because the line is so catchy and everything else going on builds perfectly and you're like, sign yep. me up. And like they keep the cred. Yep. And they and I think also because of the recording technology, you can do something that still sounds punk in it sounds independent. Yep. It doesn't sound super slick. But it is very well recorded yeah. and it's as clear as you want it to be or as punchy as you want it to be, right? And so the techniques give you a bigger sound and allows those earworms sort of more possible opportunities. But it doesn't just sound like 
a radio rock record. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. It, it's able to have a kind of a fidelity double meaning of the word, I guess. Ooh. So I'm going to keep that lens in mind as we hear some of these tracks. So let's start with Interpol. We're coming home, Dan. Here we are. 2002. This yes. is the first record. Uh. Turn on the bright lights. This is a song called Obstacle One. Killers. The Killers are new wave to yeah. Dude. Interpol's post-punk, right? Yes, literally like that. the Killers claimed this album as the biggest influence on their debut Hot Fuss. But they're obviously going more where The Cure went in terms of like exactly. giant hooks. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, let's bring in a gospel choir for the third single on our debut album. <laughs> like they are aiming high. And they land the it. And they land. Yeah. They land the plane. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, dude, this dude, song is that so song, good. Oh my gosh. Mm. I like every single thing that's going on there. I like both guitar parts. I l- actually, I should say, I love everything. <laughs> I love both guitar parts. I love the drumming. I love the bass. I love the vocals. Dude. Honestly, oh. that is an exercise in holding back. Like the bass and the drums just suddenly showing up and doing that like double kick yeah. thing. And you're just like, what was that? And then it goes away. Yeah. And that you're like held through it with the vocals and the guitar the whole time. The, oh the repetitive bam, bam, yep. bam, bam, guitars that just keep you going. It's so propulsive. Yeah. And then the recording is really saturated and compressed and just like it's like asking to be let out of its cage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just so big. Oh, I love, I love it. Okay, let's hear the rapture. This is from 2002 Echoes. The song is called House of Jealous Lovers. Let's dance, dude. Dude, that turn there. And then just the guitar. Yes. Rapture, take my money. Honestly. So good. Cut and run. Dude, and that earlier when you were like, what itch does it scratch? That dude. That's that's what I was talking about. That's the back scratcher of the episode. Is that's that the song. mew? That's the, the compressed <laughs> angular. Yeah. But yet you're just dancing at the same time. Oh. So that's thoroughly dance punk, and I think you hear their local influence literally down the road on the yeah yeah yeahs the very next year. Okay. Here's date with the night. Coming out of that chorus. Come on. Karen O ripping those vocals. Oh my gosh. That gets me so pumped. Yeah, dude. It just gets you hyped. I am so hyped hyped right now. Like 
like I'm just thinking about how we felt the first 80% of this podcast and it's like all of a sudden you're just like yeah you're feeling something we grew up with it too but they're capturing a magic of like those hooks and those pop sensibilities while just being gritty and like you write everything down on paper in terms of describing the music and you're like "Eh, I'm not into it but then you hit play and you're like yep sign me up 100% there, there's no bassist in that band. They do have bass sometimes. That hurt my heart. Eighth grade on, that hurt my heart. You're like, why couldn't it I have was been like, me? That and Jack White. I'm like, oh. dude, you guys are killing me. Not that it could be me, but <laughs> just, it's just because like, you're a bassist. Yeah, my ear is like waiting for you're that waiting low for end. It, yeah, I want to talk about LCD sound system, and I want to play "Losing My Edge," but now I'm like so pumped. We got to play <laughs> another track from the self-titled 2005 debut record. This is Daft Punk is playing in my house. Dan's head is bobbing a lot right now. Air bass is happening. Air bass synth. I was wondering. Your hands looked yeah, a little I was, confusing. I was sort of you playing were synth and bass at the same time, maybe. <laughs> oh, that song gets Great me going. Great call bringing that one up. Here's a song I was going to play. We can talk about the band as a whole after it. So this is Losing My Edge, which is just, it's such a document. It's a seven-minute song or so where he tells this narrative of like an aging scene stir and goes through all this, all these things he was there for, but then these new kids are going to come up and replace him. And it's also really funny. There's like no vocal notes in it. It's talking. And yet I don't skip it. Like I play it all the way through because it's so well crafted. It's, it's really shitty to only play 30 seconds of this track in particular. Do you know, like, are you in on this record or what? The first time I've intentionally chosen to listen to LCD sound system is to prep for this episode. Hundred percent. Wow. Let's not not it. because I dislike. Okay. But we'll get to it. Wow. All right. Well, let's play this and then let's get into that because I'm curious. But this is one part of losing my edge. I'm losing my edge to the kids whose footsteps I hear, I hear when they get on the decks. I'm losing my edge to the internet seekers, seekers who can tell who can me, tell me every member of every good group from 1962 to 1978. Oh my gosh! You never heard that song before? Nope. Till right now. Yep. I gotta. Okay, let me then play one more part because I think this is my favorite. This is my favorite lyric. So this is after he says he was there. For the, when Captain Beefheart started his first band, I told him, don't do it that way. You'll never make a dime. I was the first guy playing Daft Punk to the Rock Kids. I played it at CBGB's. But I'm losing my edge. To better looking people with better ideas and more talent. And who are actually really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you're really, really nice. <laughs> Dude, he even changes the way he said it. I He's know, like talking. I can't believe it. Oh. oh, man. I'll check out new LCD records forever just because of how great that is. I uh, I have some homework to do. You do. You have some homework yeah, to do. Yeah, the, there's only one other song I think that I was on here and I gave that one a spin and I was like, what am I? What have I been doing with my life? This is so good. 
The hard thing about picking an LCD sound system song to play for you right now is they are so repetitive. They build for so mm. long that playing you 30 seconds of anything is so <laughs> inconclusive. But Dude, I'm bought in, so you just go. I'm going to try. Let, let's see if... I bet there's a part of All My Friends that will... A good 30 seconds of All My Friends. This is from Sound of Silver, 2007. All right. 1975? 1975 rips this song off big time. They start their song. Is that like a thing? They start their song. They start every album with intentionally. They've talked about this. They start with the same song in different forms as a cue to be like, like... Matty Healy has this whole thing about how they start every 1975 album. They use the same visuals often and they use the same audio trigger of like when you hear, I think either a commercial or a sitcom, it like centers you to be like, I'm in 1975 land. And it's called, the track is called the 1975. Yep. Every time. Yeah. And it's got, I think it's, that's what's triggering for me. Well, they are directly nodding or ripping off this song. Their song sex starts with. That's how it starts. Oh. I mean, it's like, they, Dude. it's a straight up, it's almost like a cover, and then it does its own thing. Play, but, can you real quick, just even if this doesn't go on the pod, can you play the first track from the new album? You know what? I'm going to, we're going to do that, and then we're going to also show how they ripped off LC. Well, we're here. We'll play this Let's and not then, do yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Okay, opening track from Being Funny in a Foreign Language. Saw him last week. Yeah. Yeah, dude. This version... Is the closest. I was That's like, the I, closest, yeah. Wow. It's a great song. This will get bigger if you know what I mean. I'm sorry if you live in me 17. Now, after praising them, I mean, I still think it's fine. I, It doesn't really bother me. I still love this track, Sex, from their first record. Yeah. And this is how it starts. So you got the one chord, the four chord, yeah, and it just repeats, just like yeah. I love this. It's just over and over. Okay, and now here's LC Sound System. And here we are on the one. We go back to four, and there's the four. Wow, dude. This song is incredible. It builds and builds and builds. And I'm just going to play you a little clip from later on. Dude, just another reason that I should spend time listening to this band. Oh, I'm Ooh. yeah. Oh, that, I love it. That makes me feel things. Maybe the Americans have more patience than we thought. That that <laughs> that, that piano player is just. Oh my gosh! And live, she plays it. I mean, like she plays it the whole time. It's not. They don't loop that. It's not a track. Dude, thanks for that, Dan. You're you're welcome. And speaking of uh, LCD Sound System Live, I got a little story to tell you. Here we go. Story time. It's Dan's Story Corner, 2007, Sherwood. 
is on tour with Motion City Soundtrack, who are playing Lollapalooza One in Chicago. One of the Chicago. best to ever do it. And we get to play it as well, because MySpace is a sponsor, and they're sponsoring a stage, and we're on tour with Motion City anyway, who are playing it, and they basically get us on early in the day of Lollapalooza. You know, we had a few hundred people watching. But on our same stage that day, after us were Spoon, Motion City Soundtrack, and LCD Sound System. So I got to see them play. Also, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs and Interpol played that oh, same year. my gosh. Here's what my Interpol time. story. 2007. Okay. 2007. You've got an Interpol story? Well, not with the people. So Interpol and Muse are playing at the same time Dude, headlining. It's a great era for Muse, by the way. Yeah, but it but they're literally playing simultaneously. So you can't see Interpol and Muse. They are literally one mile apart on the two main stages, and it's raining <laughs> in Chicago this night. So Joe and I, we're like, I mean, we like Muse, but we love Interpol. Yep. So let's go watch Interpol play. And we like truck it all the way down there. It takes us 15 minutes to walk there from, you know, the RV or whatever. And it's muddy and cold. And it's so boring live. I mean, they stand there yep. and they yep. have some boxes of light yes. that are slowly coming alive throughout a 45 minute set. Yep. And when we get back, soaking wet and exhausted what do the rest of our band mates and our friends say they go dude muse was one of the best shows i've ever seen in my life brutal because they're known for it they put on an incredible show oh yeah they're arena performers Dan, literally 2007 yeah i'm at penn's landing in philly mm -hmm. seeing cold war kids on their first album opa open up for muse wow on knights of sidonia wow the cold war kids were also there at Lollapalooza that day because we sort of knew them a little bit and said hi. They were on. They had a much better time slot than us, of course, and they were kind of blown up. But Details. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were unbelievable. I don't know the lead singer's name right now, but Muse's lead singer playing guitar, yeah. like his ability to vocally just it's ridiculous. more than stick the landing and innovate on the guitar the way he did at that yeah. era, especially. They've kind of become a little bit like rinse and repeat, but back then that was like, it felt so fresh. Yeah. So... I wonder oh, if this man. Interpol story plays into my coolness concerns. Interpol. Like, yeah, you want to do it? Did you? I should have just your, had fun. Did your mind say Interpol and your heart oh, said I was, Muse? I was like 60, 40, 55, 45. I mean, it was like, <laughs> yeah, I think we should go see Interpol. Yeah. Uh, and like, I just, okay. Speaking of same, okay, same day, Lollapalooza. Yeah. Speaking of trying to be cool. Yeah. Rather than watch Daft Punk, who tours every decade. Or so, uh -huh. I decided to hang out backstage and like chat meaninglessly <laughs> with people that I thought were very cool. Like this guy Bronx, B-R-O-N-Q-U-E-S, the photographer of the then famous Last Night's Party blog. Not familiar. It was basically like American Apparel style, almost porn exploitation, except also nudity. Uh, and I felt extremely guilty about occasionally viewing it as an evangelical adjacent 23-year-old. But I thought he was so cool. And I chatted briefly with Pete Wentz and Ashley hey. Simpson, who were together at that time. And I, I so, so regret missing Daft Punk. Like, I was Have you gotten such to see them since? star-fucking little 23-year-old. I would have done the no, same I've exact thing. No, I've never seen them since. I don't even know if they've toured the United States since then in 2007. I think maybe once. Oh. So... 
We got a bunch of free stuff. We got a good though. story out of it. We did. We I got... guess is a little more interesting than I saw Daft Punk. End of sentence. That's it's funnier now on the podcast, but I wish I had watched Daft Punk. Yeah. So we got a bunch of like swag, including I have a Lollapalooza branded skateboard, and uh, I might like frame it or you know hang it up and write a little sign that says. I played Lollapalooza, Miss Daft Punk, and Muse, and all I got was this stupid skateboard. I love it. I love it. So uh, uh, that's a good story. People who come to my house will probably eventually see that in the studio. Uh, one more track from this era, this yep. early 2000s, and this is Block Party, 2005. Hard to pick a track from Dude, this record. Impossible. Impossible. So we're just going to go with track one, Like Eating Glass, which is- Great choice. Just has everything you want in it. Dude, that in and out bass and drums. Oh. More air bass from Dan right now. Could have played Helicopter, could have played Banquet, could have played This Modern Love. Every single song on that album is perfect. Kelly's vocals are just like, Such dude, a cool record. Take me home. Re- My brother and pretty, I. Pretty disappointing drop in quality after that record. Like, massively so. Some songs, but. There's one other good yeah. record across like the next six. Weekend in the together. City. Is that the one you, yeah, that's yeah. a pretty cool record. It's still yeah. not as good as this one. No. Though. My brother and I got to see them play Silent Alarm front to back in New York like four years ago in nice. Central Park. It was so fun. Oh, that sounds awesome. Oh. And I think it had been long enough that they were like enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a drummer fill in who was ripping. I, I don't know what band she plays in, but one of the best like drummers in the genre I've seen play live. Nailed wow. every fill, was adding stuff I hadn't heard before. It was so good. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Post rock. Rock and roll. Post, Post rock punk. and roll. Post, Post punk. pop punk, punk power. <laughs> so now we're skipping about a decade. Yeah. And we are into roughly 2016-ish territory here. And the last six plus years, there has been a true resurgence of post-punk. Definitely focused in the UK. If the previous one of the aughts was focused in the US, it's now the UK's turn. Uh, Some bands that are taking the charts by storm over there, as well as earning a lot of listeners in like urban areas in the States. Idols, Shame, Fontaine's DC, Wet Leg, uh, Yard Act. Um, squid squid we're gonna hear from a few of these bands should we start with idols or shame oh my gosh let's build so let's start with shame yeah that's a good idea okay so here's shame with gold hole she's daddy's girl she wants the money it comes with his cream so she closes her Dude, I love that song. One of the wildest bands I've ever seen play. It was at South by like five years ago when this album came out. Yeah. And it was like everybody was just like, go see Shame, go see Shame. They were playing like four or five times that week. Everybody does, right? Yeah. And it was just like it built. I remember I saw them once in the beginning of the week because I was working with their label and they were like, you've got to see Shame. And then 
by the end of the week, the room was full. And the first night I saw it, it was probably like 30 kids. So you were there at the first shame set uh, in at Austin, South by at least. Southwest. This does sound a little, little bit <laughs> like pretentious. My but... edge. <laughs> I was there at the first shame set in South by Southwest 2017. <laughs> Dude, but the thing with these kids is they look. I think they were. I don't know. They looked like 19 They're or something. Young, yeah. And they just look like the kids that would have just been like hanging out, smoking cigarettes in the corner of the library. Like, yeah. They did not. And that the lead singer just. I don't know how his voice particularly playing five five like intense shows where they were really yeah. trying to prove themselves in like 30 minutes. The intensity was ridiculous. But yeah, dude, the payoff in that chorus where it just rips out. So, so good. One more from that same record. The song's called, the album's called Songs of Praise. Amazing. This is Concrete. You know we love that. Punk baby. Oh yeah. An issue with you now. Is she hearing me? Where's the fucked up brown? Dude. The back and forth vocals. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh also perfect way to end because the way he sang concrete sounds like idols. I was just gonna say a perfect transition. I do want to give a quick quote because this sums up, I think, this whole UK like resurgence in the last 10 years, I think this quote really sums up something that was kind of missing for me in the 2000s US New York revival. And it's from their lead singer. I think one of the preconceptions of a punk guitar band is aggression, which you know could be lost in translation from energy or passion or even humor at times, basically implying that guitar is just so loud and in your face, you don't actually catch any nuance. And that's something we want to separate. Of course, there are issues we're angry about, but we don't want to be a band that just conveys one emotion. That's not human. We want to be able to express humor and melancholy. That's from Shame. That's from Shame. Ooh, I like that. Well, transitioning to Idols, I would say there's anger and hope. Oh, dude. Uh, This band, I just watched a documentary about them that was quite good. Yeah. Don't Go Gentle, a film about Idols, came out in 2020. Hey, look at that. Look at that. My, David just my favorite pulled out Idols another, album. his favorite Idols Where album. Where did this come from? <laughs> Ultra Mono? I don't know how many Idols fans listen. I feel like the record before this is the one that everybody's obsessed with, which is amazing. But this is this is the one for me. I think the two before... Joy of, as an act of resistance yeah. was like yeah, the one that broke yeah. out for them. Brutalism right. is kind of like the cult classic first album. Well, let's start with, with Brutalism. This is a track called Mother. Dude, that is, let's go. It has an insane music video. It's great. My mother worked 15 hours, five days a week. My mother worked 16 hours, six days a week. My mother worked 17 hours, seven days a week. The best way to scare a Tory is to read and get rich. The best way to scare a Tory is to read and get rich. The best way to scare a Tory. on Dan just it's I'm not always in the mood for it but if I am nothing hits nothing better yeah it is a singular in the sense of it's like you know <laughs> you know when you hear about like mostly in crime movies 
somebody like was trying to take pure adrenaline as a drug. Like it's very yes. expensive. Like I think it's in fear and loathing in Las Vegas. They're like pure adrenaline. Oh yeah. Aggression, but also it's hopeful. A lot of their songs are really hopeful. He's really kind of like a Joe. It's incredible. Lyricist and just seems like a really He's a force. Yeah. force of a guy. Just such a strong worldview that he lets into his lyrics completely unfiltered. Yeah. Um, and it's really powerful. Yep. Idols is, I think, the thing that really like took my love of post-punk to like the, the next degree. Like, yeah. okay, had Interpol, rode that for a while. Yeah. But kind of coming back to this really core, visceral, primal thing. Primal's a great word. For me, Idols is this like beautiful mix of abrasive instruments and music matched with like really deep, thought-provoking, intentional, like wrought lyrics and yeah. a lot of you mentioned the political aspect to his like and his worldview a lot of like themes of challenging masculinity racism immigration homophobia yep. mental health political systems i think this was from like three years ago in an interview but joe said it's one of the most dangerous things isolation and i'm pretty sure this was before covid or maybe it was right during covid but yeah. not talking about how you feel it kills men it kills women as well but as a man, I just want to take a step forward and make some change in my life and in my friend's life, putting therapy on record. I just want to be part of solutions, not problems. He is a pure soul uh, of, of some kind. And I recommend that film. I really would. Yeah, that in like any live KEXP session. Yeah. They're beloved. I, I saw them at Numo's in Seattle and they, I'd never seen a band quite like that live i mean it was let, let's play one more so let's play something from joy as an act of resistance this is never fight a man with a perm is really the best word yeah yeah that rising it's, tension oh my gosh i know they hold this tension so perfectly yeah. that you're just like okay sitting in it because they somehow have this like magical equation of when to let go of it that whole verse is just like you pay attention to the lyrics because the guitar is just doing this weird like it kind of forces you to be like your brain's like what's what's going on yeah and so you're really heightened on the lyrics yeah yeah about like a big masculine dude who's threatening to beat him up. Yeah. I think. And just calling BS on, I think that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, idols. Love you. Yep. Let's talk about Fontaine's DC. Let's Ireland's own. Oh, one more trick in the old bag. I technically have another record after this, but we didn't cover the band <laughs> because there's so much to cover, but it's, Too much to cover. it's television marquee moon is the okay. other one. Nice. Cause I really fell in love with that album on this, yeah. but here's the other one, Dan dog roll, the debut LP, Still my favorite LP same, same. by Fontaine's. They put out a lot of music very quickly. Yeah, almost. One, they're like Stephen King, dog. Yeah, they're the Stephen King of post-punk. Uh, but this first record, Dog Roll, uh, we already heard Boys in the Better Land. <sighs> there is a version on Dog Roll, but I actually played the like single version. They had a, like a couple singles, maybe like an EP before the full length. And it's slower and it's a more wet uh, mix, and I just prefer it a little bit to... 
the dog roll version, but this song on dog roll, I love track one, <gasps> Big. My fave. Dublin in the rain is mine A pregnant city with a Catholic mind A slick little boy with a mind of rich Rich That's red for the next big fix This My childhood was small My childhood was small But I'm gonna be big But I'm gonna be big My childhood was small My childhood was small This record's got a lot of variety like, yeah. check out a song like the tel- like television screens. I had tough night looks for which you had reserved a room full of mirrors on the television screen. On the television screen. That bass. On oh. the television screen. One more track from this record. Liberty Bell, kind of a single. Uh, the crowd was yelling it out at the show. Really fun. He's just very, very tired of having that same old boring conversation. Just like me, just like you, man is on a notch. Yeah, what you gonna do about it? You know, I love that violence that you get around here. And they're doing more of like a straight punk rock thing yeah, yeah, there, yeah. you know? And what was interesting about seeing them live that has shown up in their subsequent records yeah. is they really leaned into the post-punk of it all. They were repeating stuff. They did these long plowing yeah. high energy sections. And I was like, there is that on the record, but they're doing it more live. And then sure enough, the next record comes out. And it's definitely more in that post-punk vein. Yep. But I just like Dog Roll most, so that's the songs I want to play. You know? I do too. Heroes Death, that second album, that one's grown on me. It, it took yeah. a while. I was I was like bummed out, you know, after such a strong. But then I was like, oh wait a second, like the the latest one, and maybe it'll just happen with each album. Skinty Fia, that one's still growing on me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I remember hearing Big live, and like you said, it was massive and they just would rip these instrumentals for a while they were clearly testing out um songs for the next album too at that point yeah and dude a force well we've got two more bands to talk about wet leg and yard act okay let's end with wet leg because i think they recently had like a number one record yeah they're blowing up and i think yard acts maybe more recent but Wet Leg seems to be a bigger band. So yep. the Yardak song is really interesting. It's called Rich, very arty, yep. very avant-garde. Let's hear it. Almost by accident, I have become rich. Through continued reward for skilled labor in the private sector and a genuine lack of interest in expensive things, it appears I have become rich. And since I have become rich, I've been constantly living in fear of losing everything. I hear a lot of the fall in there. Yeah. It's one of those things where eventually instruments do kick in. Dude, can we get to where it comes in? Because it's so fun. Yeah. And they have these claps that I just love. Let's go a little further. It appears I have become rich. Like some headless bird, whilst the witch doctors poach for the strap. Okay, so trust us, it does get a little more 
a little less sparse, a little more filled there's out. A, there's some hooks in there. Yeah, it's a cool track. Yeah, uh, Yardak's really fun. Dig anything up about them? I mean, it's their first record, I think, right? They yeah, and they debuted at number two in UK. Wow. So this stuff is very much present in the moment right now. Yeah, in the UK. like I'm pretty sure they're on Island Records in the UK. Wow. And they're from Leeds, dude. Another Leeds. What is it? What is it with Leeds, dude? Wow. It's not just Tyler Adams winning over Leeds right now for all you soccer fans out there. Wet leg. I, I gotta say, this is more of a your love than a my love. Is that love. right? Yeah. Oh. I I'm trying. Okay. What should we hear, dude? Chaise lounge, <laughs> or as I would call it, chase lounge. Yeah. Mommy, daddy, look at me. Take us further in. Well, before we move on, yeah, you're just you're admitting to being really intrigued by a band of two young women, one of whom is dressed in a Catholic schoolgirl outfit, talking about getting the big D at college. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's 2022. It's Daniel. 2022, man. Come on, live a little. Don't be such I, a honestly. Prude. I mean, dude. Generally, I don't really listen to lyrics and songs. Okay. That's yeah, just, just never like, been my you thing. just like the vibe. All right. This is a little later in the track. Nothing let's wrong with hear, the lyrics. Let's hear when there's more instrumentation in. Oh, wait, Dan. It was a trick. It pretty much sounds like that most <laughs> of the time. It does get bigger. But... A little bigger, yeah. maybe. You like that. That's cool. One more time. It's going to be quite a few more times. And another? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not, yeah. Okay. I mean, Shame and Idols and Fontaines, that's, that's definitely more, more my thing. Yep. But there's Wet Leg. That's what's fun about this new batch is there's kind of the three you really like and then and, uh, and many others. Yeah. Black Midi is kind of an ex, like a really intense version of what I think post-punk can be because they almost step into like noise rock, math rock. Yeah. But then there's Parquet Courts, there's Viagra Boys are kind of a blend, there's Wet Leg, but there's a lot of these like playful, yeah. kind of the lighter side, less yeah. distortion side of post-punk yeah, that's also come along with it. That's cool. And... I feel like there's, it seems to be a clear line. Like I'm not really hearing idols go and step into that much. Same thing with Fontaine's, nor am I hearing wet leg go and get like really intense. Yeah. But dude, that debuted number one, that album, wet leg debuted number one in UK. Wow. They're eating it up over there. They're eating up the post-punk over there. Speaking of the UK. Along with their Yorkshire pudding. My friend Tom, one more thing. Two finger Tom. Two finger Tom. I asked, what's the most underrated band in the first wave? And then who is the best of the modern era? Okay. Tom said, London band This Heat is the most underrated band in the first wave. He recommended their album from 1981, Deceit. Let's uh, let's play the most popular track on there. It's called Paper Hats. I think you'll hate this, but we'll see. Well, it's Paper Hats by This Heat from 1981's Deceit. I got I got something to tell you. Okay, Dan. I got no. I I got to have a word with Two Finger Tom. <laughs> okay. Well, this now song, I'm... by the way, please listen to the whole thing because you and everybody. I wrote that song off 
initially. And then like uh-huh. the day, next day I was like, I'll listen to the whole thing. There are some not so painful parts, but okay. if maybe the 1% of people listening to this, I really enjoyed what they just heard. If you're into that, Black Midi is like a lot of that. Okay. And then what's, who's the current band? Best in the modern era from not two, that I two trust finger judgment, Tom, Tom. Parquet Courts and Black Midi. We've been talking about Black Midi a little bit, but he let's, thinks let's hear those two are probably the closest to the original spirit of okay. post-punk that he can think of. Parquet Courts are a New York City band, and uh, Black Midi are London, so continuing on with that theme. Well, we heard that Parquet Courts song earlier. Let's hear Black Midi and then close out. This is We're ending with Black Midi. We are. Oh. This is Talking Heads by let's Black Midi. When it goes up a twist, it comes off, put it in our face and pass it on. I dig that. Yeah, dude. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> dude. Wow, that's interesting. Black Mini is like unreal. That. Another KEXP darling. They've okay. done, I think, Icelandic Airwaves and had a set live there on YouTube that's unreal. Okay, interesting. Drummer. Could be in Mars Volta, kind of a thing. Like, yeah. he's so good. Wow. All right, I'm going to have to check them out. Well, David. Dan. Thanks so much for joining me to talk about post-punk. It was a joy. It was a joy. I really liked it. I hope people have enjoyed this very long two-part episode. This, this one was for the music heads, for sure. This is for the real heads. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was really fun. I felt like this was a fun excuse to... Often, you just kind of hear a band like Fontaine's or Idols, and you're yeah. like... It's like a one-off thing or that'll, something. That'll yeah. do. And have an excuse to kind of go back and find all these through lines is totally. one of the most satisfying things. Like you with LCD Agreed. Sound System in 1975. Yeah. Dude, that's oh. what I'll be doing with the rest of the week. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, I hope you'll be listening to LCD Sound System the rest of the week because yep. I, that's kind of just surprising to me that you've, that's a that's an odd blind spot. Yeah. Yeah. I thought one thing that would be fun to wrap up, Dan. Yeah. What three bands had you not really, it, it, you know, soaked up? I was going to ask you something similar. Okay. So. All right, let's see. Three bands or maybe three tracks. I'm just going to kind of scroll through here. Sure. I would say definitely Wire and especially that song, 15th. Yep. I'm tempted to say Mekons. Uh, really? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what else. But I really liked Where Were You, that early track we played. And I'm I'm curious to see if more will kind of catch my ear over time. Yeah. And probably Gang of Four. Dude. Yeah. yeah, I think that's probably the stuff that's coming in strongest, but there's more than that that I've like added to playlists and stuff yeah. while doing research. Yep. What about you? The one I did not expect at all, I kind of was coming in thinking, let's go and find some old classics. Yeah. Uh, LCD Sound System is probably number one of like, what that's am I What be. am I actually I mean, going to go and spend yeah, a lot of time there. the rest of my life listening to out of this batch? Totally. Probably them. Yep. And then Talking Heads was a band and David Byrne and stuff like, you, yeah. just, you could absorb it, but I was never really intentional about getting into them totally. and remaining light is like oh my gosh dude. yeah it's an incredible record i had a buddy make me a playlist in the last couple of years yep so i have a slight head start yep. but i also missed them growing up yeah and then i'd say probably wire that's the last one it's it makes sense i guess but the most fun i had was during the 2000s <sighs> renaissance although honestly shame dude came close yeah. as well yeah and idols so I think I'm going to be returning to those eras a lot in the coming months. Yeah. And and really making sure I've gotten a good soak in 
with shame and idols and the more recent Fontaine stuff. Yep. Next time one of those. Fresh lens. Fresh lens. Fresh appreciation. I'll meet you at the bar for one of those shows the next time they they come through. For either a $19 Mezcal cocktail or a $7 (laughs) uh, shot in a beer To bring us back to the beginning. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And we'll feel so cool that night. We'll be so cool. (laughs) You know, it's like kind of a long walk from the last stop of the green line. I don't know. Whatever goes to Brooklyn. The E. Isn't the J's the J line? Isn't that Jay Z? Maybe the L. I don't know. I feel like one of those artists is like, yeah. I'm talking. We're showing our cards. Now. Okay, great. All right. Who knows? Thanks, David. Thanks, Dan.